How many of you are ready to hear the word of God? And with this, we're going to go ahead and ask Brother Montes de Oca, Brother MDO, to come and present us the word of God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we come before you, God, asking for a word, God. Bless those in need of uh, comfort, God. Give them comfort, God. Those that need wisdom, give them wisdom, Lord. You know the hearts. You know the need, Lord. I could only see the outside, God, but I ask, just ask, Lord, that today you may bless your people, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's read uh, Psalms 23. Amen. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restored my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, I, yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table, a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely, it says surely, not maybe, but surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. You guys may be seated. Amen. Brother Marco, I don't know if you could put uh, all six scriptures up there. I don't know if it's possible. We're going to be going back and forth. So Psalms 23, I don't know about you guys, but I'm pretty sure that all of you guys here have heard or read this uh, passage at least once in your life. It, this was the uh, first uh, uh, scripture that I memorized. I was 11 years old. I was in the juniors. I remember my teacher, my junior teacher made me memorize it. And I'll tell you what, this uh, uh, psalm right here has brought so much comfort into my life throughout my whole uh, walk with the Lord. This is a beautiful psalm. It's a beautiful psalm. Uh, it's about 3,000 years old. And I guarantee you that throughout those 3,000 years that has been in existence, it has comforted so many people. It, has, it, it is just a beautiful scripture. It is, it's, it's an awesome scripture. As a matter of fact, I dare to say that it's one of my favorite passages in the Bible, Psalms 23. It has been uh, quoted by so many. We see this in funerals. And I believe that the reason why we see this in funerals is because of verse 4. Though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will feel no, no evil. But it's, it's, uh, it's a scripture that's been quoted by so many. I believe uh, President Bush quoted this scripture after he addressed the nation uh, after 9-11. I don't know if you guys remember that speech. He used this scripture. It is a, a beautiful psalm, beautiful scripture. There's 150 psalms in the Bible. And I don't know about you guys, but I always thought that uh, David was the only writer uh, of Psalms, but it is not so. There's seven writers. Uh, there's 150 Psalms, 
David wrote uh, 73 psalms, which is almost half, just a little bit less than half. But there's uh, other writers. Other notable writers is Moses. I don't know if you guys remember Moses. Uh, Moses wrote uh, Psalm 90. Solomon, uh, David's son, he wrote two psalms. I was shocked. I thought he wrote more, but he only wrote two. He wrote Psalm 72 and 127. And there's four more authors. Uh, there's individual authors and there's also groups. Uh, for example, there's the uh, the the son. Uh, the, the, there's there's uh, the sons of Korah. So Korah's uh, uh, sons, they all got together, and they wrote uh, 14 songs. So there's seven writers, you know, some individuals and, and some groups. But uh, David, I believe, is the most notable one since he wrote the most, almost almost half. And in the Old Testament, uh, we have uh, books of law, the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, are uh, known as the law of Moses or the Torah. Uh, and then we have historical books. Uh, we got books that are historical. And then we got books that are prophetic. We got prophetic books. And then we got another genre which is, uh, which is poetic. We got poetic books. We got Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. So this book, uh, the book of Psalms, is a poetic book. Uh, David was a poet. He was also a singer. You guys remember he played the harp? Uh, he was an anointed, he wasn't just a singer, but he was an anointed singer. You guys remember the scripture? Uh, so David writes this scripture, and if you guys remember, David was the king of Israel, but before he was king, what was he? He was a shepherd. David was a shepherd, so he knew what it was to be a shepherd. He knew what it was, because he was a shepherd himself. And David writes this psalm, not as the point of view of a shepherd. He could have wrote to us uh, as the point of view of a shepherd, because he was a shepherd, but he writes mostly as a point of view of a sheep. He calls himself a sheep. David calls himself the sheep. So uh, Psalms uh, is, is uh, in, in Psalms in verse 4. Can you put verse 4 up there, brother? Uh, Psalms verse 4. It says, Yet though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So here, uh, David uses an, what is called an idiom. Uh, and we use this type of vocabulary throughout our, our, our every day. We use idioms every day. Uh, an idiom is this. If I tell you guys, if it's raining outside, and if I tell you guys, man, it's raining cats and dogs, what would you guys understand that I'm trying to say? That it's pouring hard. So I'm not saying that it's raining literally cats and dogs. It's an idiom that I'm using. And David uses an idiom here. He is not talking about physical death. Uh, he's using the valley of the shadow of death. That right there is an idiom that he's using to explain to us the severity of the valley. He's trying to tell us this, this is not just a normal valley. This is a dark 
valley. This is a scary valley. This is an ugly valley. So David is not talking about physical death. Even though we can't use this scripture for physical death. Because God, we, we, how many of you guys know that we all have a, a date with Mr. Death? All of us. Right? It's inedible. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I wanted to prolong, but I know it's coming. But even in death, we can use this scripture, even though David is not necessarily talking about death, physical death. We can't use it for death because when I die, I know that my shepherd resurrected on the third day. And because he resurrected on the third day, he gives me the assurance that I will resurrect as well. So I don't fear death because the Lord is my shepherd. But it's an idiom, and it's, it's important that you remember that so that we could understand the scripture a little bit better. So David is talking about a dark and a scary and an ugly valley. When we read, uh, uh, I don't know if you guys can see it, but when we read in verses 1 and 3, it's speaking about the Lord in the third person. He is this. And he is that. But when we jump into verse 4, there's a change. There's a change. Uh, The first person, now David is not talking, uh, referring to God as the third person, but he's referring to God as the first uh, person. It's personal. In in verse 4, it gets personal. He talks directly to God. Not as much as a shepherd, but as a friend. He gets personal in verse 4. Then in verses 5 and 6, there's another change. Uh, We go from the outside. We go from the outdoors. We go from the valley. We go from the field into the tent. In verses 5 and 6, we go into the tent or into the home, if you will. Uh, Now he gets more personal. So he starts off... uh, is speaking to God as a third person. Then in verse 4, he gets personal. He is a friend. But then in verse 5, he goes into the tent. Now it gets really personal. So the first part of the psalm, verses 1 and 3, it's in the field. It's the shepherd and the sheep out in the field. The second part of the psalm, verses 4, it's in the valley. So in the first part, we're in the field. Verse 4, we go into the valley, and then the third part, verses 5 and 6, it's in the tent. So there's three parts. And this morning, I, wanna, I want us to look at this psalms in three parts. So verses 1 to 3, we're going to see uh, God as the shepherd. And as the shepherd, he gives us direction. Everybody say direction. In verse 4, We see the shepherd as a friend, and as a friend, he gives us protection. Everybody say protection. In verses 5 and 6, we see God, we see the shepherd as a host. And as a host, he gives us provision. Everybody say provision. So he gives us direction, he gives us protection, and then he gives us provision. Number one. Uh, direction. As a shepherd, God gives David direction. Uh, I don't know if you guys, can you guys read the scripture up there? 
Okay, we're going to uh, read a, a, a few verses. In verses 2 and in verses uh, uh, 3, twice David mentions, mentions the word, he leads me. Twice. He, he says that the, le- the shepherd leads him. Twice. So a, uh, he, because he, uh, the shepherd is giving David direction. The shepherd is David's guide. He's guiding him. He's giving him direction. Now, before we continue, I want to talk about two traits, two traits of the sheep. How many of you guys have dealt with sheep ever? No? <laughs> Not really? I remember my grandma used to have sheep, and we would go to the rancho, you know, the ranch, and, and I got to see, you know, a, a, a sheep. There's two traits about sheep. Uh, sheep are dumb. <laughs> they, they are. Sheep are dumb. Sheep are stupid. They're stupid. Now, I, I would not dare to use that word in the Spanish congregation because that word is very harsh in Spanish. If I call somebody estupido in Spanish, it's very harsh. I would, I would instead of using that, I would say torpe. Torpe is not as bad. But in English, you know, I, I hear this all the time. I remember when I was in school, uh, my friend would be like, you're stupid. And it wasn't as bad. In Spanish, if you tell somebody, eres un estupido, man, <laughs> those are fighting words. But sheep are dumb. Sheep are stupid. Sheep do not know how to take care of themselves. Sheep do not know how to defend themselves. Because sheep are useless. And uh, a sheep will not know how to take care of himself. The sheep needs a shepherd to guide the sheep, to direct the sheep. And uh, sheep require more meticulous care than any other animal. I could leave my dog in my house. As a matter of fact, we left our dog at home right now. He's over there by himself. And if he's hungry... He knows where to go get food. If he's thirsty, he knows where to go. If he needs to go, you know, and do his duties, he knows where to go. A smart dog. Dogs are smart. And many other animals are smart. They know how to pray. They know how to hunt. But sheep don't know how to pray. They don't know how to hunt. They're dumb. Sheep are dumb. And check this out. The Bible refers to us. Not only me, but all of us as sheep 200 times in the Bible. 200 times the Bible refers to us as sheep. What did I say sheep were? Dumb. (laughs) Sheep are dumb. You know what? Sometimes I think about it and I think it fits. (laughs) I think it fits. You know why? How many times have I shooken my head and I've told myself, Man, why did I say that? Why did I say that? Has it happened to you? Why did I say that? Because sheep are what? Dumb. (laughs) And I realize that I'm not the brightest. I'm not the smartest. How about when we, have you told yourself, man, why did I do that? Have you ever told yourself that? I've told myself that many of times. And sheep are what? Dumb. How about this one? Man, 
I will never do that again. <laughs> Has it happened to you? I've, I've said that so many times. Man, I will never do that again. And then what happens? We're like sheep, and we go do the same thing over again. Sheep are dumb. Sheep are defenseless. Every animal has a defense uh, mechanism that God has put in, in those animals. There's some frogs that when they sense danger, they blow up their cheeks. And have you seen that? And that scares the, uh, the other animal, rattlesnakes, you know, shake their tail. Uh, cats, you know, get their claws and they, they do that. What do they call that when they, they hiss and they get the claws? Dogs bark. The porcupines get their little things and they, you know, point. So it, it, the bees have the sting. But sheep are defenseless. They can't defend themselves. And how many times did I say God compares us to sheep? 200 times. And see, and that's why sheep need a shepherd. Because sheep are dumb. And sheep are defenseless. Sheep really need a guide. And that's why David says in verses 2 and in verse 3, he says, he leads me. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, you don't have to put it, brother. Just, just leave Psalms over the, the, the whole time. But Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall what? Direct thy path. We have to trust in the Lord. See, the thing is this. Sometimes we want God to direct us in the time of need. Has it happened to you? In the time of need, you go to God. God, I need your guidance. God, I need your direction. God, help me. But when everything goes well, it's like, God, I don't need you right now. I got this. I got my life, God. When we got money in our wallet, when we got food in the refrigerator, when we got a roof over our head, when we got a job, when our kids are behaving, when our marriage is fine, it's like we forget about God. It's almost like we're telling God unconsciously, God, it's okay. Like we put them on hold, right? God, you know, just stay on the side. And when I need you, I'll come and get you. But see, God wants to be your guide. guide God wants to direct you all of the time. All of the time. God wants to guide your marriage. He wants to guide your family. He wants to guide the way you raise your kids. He wants to guide your uh, finances. He wants to guide every aspect of your life. And the reason why he wants to guide you is because he knows you better than you know yourself. God knows you better than you know yourself. He created you. God created me. He knows what I need. Sometimes I ask God, that I ask God for things that I'm pretty sure he just shakes his head like, ah, it's the oveja, this sheep. <laughs> like my kids, you know, it's like if one of my, my, my little one, like if he came and asked me for the keys of my car, God, daddy, uh, lend me your car. I'm going to shake my head and I'll be like, you're too immature. You're not ready for the van. You're not ready for the, for the Tahoe. If I give you the Tahoe, you're going to go and kill somebody. 
See, sometimes we ask things for God, uh, we ask God for things that he knows we're not ready for. Because he knows best. He knows best. And see, and that's why God wants us to trust him as our shepherd and let him guide us, let him uh, lead us because he knows best for us. He is the shepherd. Not trusting God for everything in your life is like having a GPS system in your car. How many of you guys have one of those? Come on, all of you guys have an iPhone, right? So you guys have a GPS system, right? And having, uh, not trusting God, not letting God guide you is like having a GPS system and never use it. And you're getting lost all the time. <laughs> you're always getting lost. But yet, you don't want to use a GPS system. And sometimes that's what happens to us. We're getting lost in our path in life. And, you know, we get to dead ends. And, but yet, God is there waiting for you to tell him, God, guide me. Direct my path, Lord. Direct my ways. The Holy Ghost is inside of you. Use it. <laughs> Let the Holy Ghost guide you. Let the Holy Ghost direct you, direct your ways. And uh, what happens to a society that tells God, God, we don't need you right now. We're okay without you, God. We can't do this on our own. We're going to put you on hold. And I don't know if you notice, those of you that are my age, those of you millennials, you might not know and not understand what I'm going to say, but those of you that are my age, I'm not going to tell you my age, but just look at my head. That should tell you something. Oh, yeah, there's another one right there. But those of you that are my age, we have seen that America has told God, we don't need you right now. We don't need your guidance, Lord. We're going to put you on hold. America is on a moral freefall. Just the last 20 years, I've seen a lot of things happen. Is it true or not, Brother James? America is on a moral freefall. America has put God on hold. God has been expelled from schools. I remember I was in, I remember back in the day, they used to uh, pray before they start schools. They used to acknowledge God. God has been dismissed from the courts. God has been evicted from our, our culture. We've pushed God out. We've, it's, it's like if we have told God, God, I don't need your guidance. Uh, um, we're smarter than you. We could do this on our own. Isaiah 5.20 says this. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Doesn't that sound like America? <laughs> Doesn't that sound like, like the United States of America? When you don't let God be your guide, you're going to have a society that does not know whether it's coming or whether it's going. And if 
God only opened your spiritual eyes, you would see that that's what's happening to our society. We don't know. When I say we, I say we as a society. We don't know whether we're coming or whether we're going. Because we have told God that we don't need him. When a society puts God aside, you get a society that redefines marriage. You get a society that redefines what a family should be. Marriage and family is not a man-made institute. It is a godly institute that God himself ordained. But when you get a society that puts God aside, you get a society that, that redefines what a marriage should be. And we've, we're seeing that right now. When you have a society that put God, puts God aside, it is okay for a man to walk into a woman's restroom only because that man feels like a woman. When a society puts God aside, they call the murdering of innocent babies a right, abortion. It is not abortion, it is a right. That's what happens when you put God aside, when you tell God, I don't need your direction. You get a confused society. And now let's, let's not go into society, but let's go into us as individuals. The same thing will happen to you. If you don't let God be your guide, you will get confused. And you will start acting like a sheep. What are, what are sheep? <laughs> Dumb. And sheep go astray. They... When the sheep don't uh, listen to the shepherd, they go into paths that lead to destruction. So we have to get, let God, the shepherd, guide us. He knows what's best for us. He knows what's best for us. I have to let the Bible, this book right here, be my guide. Because everything that you need to know it is in here because this is God's living word. I said this is God's living word. I'm going to tell you, the Supreme Court is not God. The flag is not God. And the Constitution is not the Bible. I don't let the Constitution tell me how to live my life. I don't let society tell me how to live my life. I let this book right here, the word of the living God, guide my paths, my ways. Because the Lord is my shepherd. So we have to follow the good shepherd. And uh, us as sheep, sheep sometimes follow other sheep. I'm going to tell you a true story, and you could Google it if you want. In 2005, in East Turkey, there was a... Uh, uh, a whole bunch of shepherds that got together with their flocks. And they put all of their flocks in the same location. There was 15,000 sheep at one location. 15,000 sheep. 
And I don't know why the shepherd thought it was okay to go have breakfast. And they did. And they left the sheep unattended. And one sheep decided to wander off and fell over a cliff. And some of the other sheep saw that sheep doing that. And they decided, well, you know what, let's see what's over there. And sheep, following a sheep, 400 sheep fell over a cliff and died. And once the shepherd realized what was going on, 400 sheep had already died. And the cost of that was $75,000. I'm going to tell you guys something. Don't follow other sheep. Follow Christ. Just because those sheep over there and that other church are doing this doesn't mean that that's okay. Just because this sheep is talking like this doesn't mean that it's okay. Sheep will lead you astray. Don't follow sheep. Follow Christ. Follow the shepherd. He will never guide you the wrong way. He will never mislead you. He would always, always take you to green pastures. So the Lord is my shepherd. I will trust in him. I've tried it my way. I remember before I came to Christ, I was all messed up and confused. <laughs> I tried it my way, and it did not work. Many of you tried it your way, and what happened? Some of you ended up divorced. Many of you tried it your way, and what happened? You ended up in jail. Many of you tried it your way, and you ended up in a hospital. Many of you tried it your way, and you ended up broke. I've tried it my way, and I know it does not work. But ever since I've learned to trust in the Lord, he has blessed me. Because I've let him direct my paths, and he has never failed me. He's always, always taken me to green pastures. Let God guide your marriage. Let God guide your family. If you're in a relationship, let God guide your relationship. Let God guide your finances. Let God in every aspect of your life because he will not fail you. So that's uh, number one. Number one, the Lord is what? My guide. Yeah, the shepherd, but he is my guide. He would guide you. Number two. Verse 4, we see God as a friend who gives us protection. In verses 1 and 3, he is our guide and he gives us direction. But in verse 4, he gives me protection. When you find yourself, what does verse 4 right, say right there? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and I've already told you guys that that's an idiom, Telling us that it's not just a valley, but it's a dark valley. It's a scary valley. Yet, though I walk through the worst valley, in other words, if I could, you know, uh, say it in my own words, what Davis is saying, yea, I walk through the worst valley. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So here... It says, when you walk through the valley, not if you walk through the valley. I'm going to tell you, if you guys didn't know, 
you will go through a valley at one point or another. Valleys are inevitable. What, what was that, the, the one word that, was it Thanos? The, no, no, the other guy said, it is inevitable. <laughs> Valleys are inevitable. You will face, as a matter of fact, you cannot go from one mountaintop to the other without having to go through a valley. Who wants to go from a mountaintop to another? Just me? Well, if you want to go from one mountaintop to another, you will have to go through a valley. As a matter of fact, valleys are a mountain waiting to happen. Because you will not stay in the valley. The shepherd will not leave you in the valley. He would guide you through the valley. He's going to be with you through the valley. But he's not going to leave you there. He's going to take you out. And when he takes you out, you will make it to the mountaintop. But see, David, and you have to learn this, David kept his eyes on the shepherd. Even though he was in the valley, he was trusting on the Lord. He was trusting on the shepherd. He kept his eyes on the shepherd at all times. Uh, there was a, a, a son and a dad, and they were at the zoo. And the son and the dad were watching the same thing. There was a lion. And the son was scared. He started to cry because he was scared of the lion. And he kept telling, Daddy, Daddy, the lion, the lion. And the dad was not scared. You know why? Because the dad was not looking at the lion. He was looking at the cage. And the kid ignored the cage and was focusing on the problem. See, that's what happens when we focus on the problem and not on the solution. And the solution is Jesus Christ, our shepherd. When you're, go through, when, you, when you're going through a valley, don't focus on the valley. Focus on the shepherd. Focus on the shepherd. Always know that the shepherd will be there to protect you. What does that scripture says? I will not leave you nor forsake you, and I will be with you every day of your life. In the darkest moment of your life, trust the shepherd. Trust the good shepherd because he will be there with you. And then he says, Thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The staff was a big stick. They had a hook on, on the end. And the rod was a club. It was a club that the, uh, the shepherd used to beat the, the coyotes and any animal that tried to attack the, the sheep. He had a club to defend the sheep. So Shep, uh, what David is saying right here, he says, Thou art with me, and in one hand is the club. And the club is a type and figure of power. And on the other hand, you have the rod which is a type and figure of grace because the shepherd used the, the staff whenever the, the sheep would go and get himself in trouble and fall into holes or go into the bushes. He would use that staff that had a hook to get the sheep out of trouble. And what is that? That's mercy. And on the other hand, he had a club and that is power because with that, with that club, he would defend the sheep. And that's what David is saying. He's saying, I see a club, 
And I see a staff, so I see power and mercy. And when I see the shepherd and I see the rod and the staff, it brings me comfort. Because I know that you, the shepherd, will protect me with, with the rod and the staff. I don't know about you, but that gets me happy. It gets me happy to know that he is there to protect me. I'm going to tell you something. God has not lost a battle yet. He has not lost a battle yet. And I'm going to tell you something. He won't because he, all, he is all-powerful. He is almighty. He is all-knowing. He is the omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. He knows it all. He sees it all. He is all-knowing. And there is nothing that my God cannot do. There is nothing impossible for my God. There is nothing impossible for my God. But see, the valleys are necessary. The valleys are necessary. Sometimes God will put you through a valley to teach you a lesson. Sometimes God will put you through a valley to make you grow. And sometimes God will put you through a valley when you start going astray. He'll put you through a valley to remind you and to bring you back. There's a sickness, there's a, a, a sickness, a generic disorder, and it's called anhedrosis or sifa. And this sickness, what it does, the people that have this sickness, they're unable to feel pain, literally. So if, let's say I had this sickness, hypothetically speaking, and if I was to touch something hot, I, wouldn't, I would be unable to feel the danger. And what would happen is that my hand would get so blistered up because I did not feel the heat I would just leave my hand there. What happens when, when you put your hand on the hot stove? You move away. Because pain tells you, hey, move away. Uh, you guys remember when the little, or, or, or your kids went and put their finger in the power outlet? And guess what? They never did that again, right? Because pain is there to protect us. And see, God sometimes allows pain so that we could remember, well, you know what, this is danger zone. Because when everything's okay, it's, it's like almost like we forget about God. When we got money, when everything's fine, it's like we forget about God. But once we start going through struggles, and once we start feeling the pain, it's like, you know, we come back. We straighten up, right? So sometimes God will allow pain in your life just to remind you, that, hey, you're just a sheep. And I'm the shepherd. And I know better than you. Uh, Corinthians 10.13 says, I will not suffer you to be tempted beyond that which ye are able to bear, but with the temptation will also make a way to escape. Man, this scripture should bring you comfort because God, even though I told you sometimes he does put us through pain, he won't give you something that you can't bear. And he will always be with you along the way. Even when you feel lonely, even when you feel that God's not there, your feelings don't matter. I trust the scripture 
If the scripture tells me that he's there, I don't care how you feel. You could feel like God's left you, like he's abandoned you. I trust the word of God. And the word of God tells me that he will be with me all of the days of my life. So verses 5 and 6, the last point. So verses 5 and 6, God is our provision. He provides for us. In verses 1 and 3, he is the shepherd. He is a direction, our guide. In verse 4, he is our friend. He is our protector. He protects us. In verse 5, he is the host, and he gives us provision. God, in the Old Testament, God has had many names and many attributes. And every one of those names and attribute that God was given in the Old Testament represents something about his character, something about his, the, about him, who he is towards us. I'll give you an example. Let's pretend that I had three degrees, which I don't. <laughs> I don't even have one. In Spanish, what do you, I don't know, how many speak Spanish here? In Spanish, se dice, me gradué de panzazo. So I know I don't have to three degrees, but let's pretend that I, that I do. Let's pretend that I am Dr. Montes de Oca. That sounds good. I'm Dr. Montes de Oca. I'm also Professor Montes de Oca. And I'm also Counselor Montes de Oca. You know, in courts, they call lawyers counselors. So I'm Counselor Montes de Oca, Dr. Montes de Oca, and Professor Montes de Oca. Each one of those titles given to me represents something about me. It tells you something about me. When you hear Dr. Montes de Oca, that tells you that if you feel pain, you could come to me because I'm going to check you out and I'm going to give you a prescription. Well, I'm going to tell you if something's bad because I'm a doctor. If you need some help with your education, you know that I'm a professor. So just knowing that I'm a professor, that tells you that I could help you or I could teach you because I'm a professor. Me being counselor Montes de Oca, that tells you that if you can get into some sort of trouble, you could come to me for defense. I could defend you in court. So each one of those titles tells, tells you something about me. Well, it is no different with God's names and attributes given to him in the Old Testament. Uh, every one of the titles that God has been given in the Old Testament tells you something about him that he is towards you. And in the Old Testament, God was giving the name of Jehovah. And forgive me if I butcher these names because I don't speak Hebrew. <laughs> I'm going to try my best to pronounce them right. But I'm trying to make a point across. God was giving a name, a Jehovah Mekodesh which is the Lord is my sanctifier. He sanctifies you. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is present. That tells me that he is present with me all the time. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is our peace. He brings me peace because he is Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is our banner. Jehovah Ra, the Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah Tiskedu, the Lord is our righteousness. 
He is my righteousness. When the enemy tries to tell you that you're not worthy, tell him, I know I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy because of me, but I'm worthy because of him. Because he is my righteousness. And notice how in the text, in this text right here, in this scripture, 1 to 6, the Lord names himself to let us know that, hey, this is what I am for you. Read the text. The Lord is my shepherd. Right there. The Lord is my shepherd. Verse 1. That's Jehovah Ra. I shall not want. That's Jehovah Jireh. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. That's Jehovah Shalom. He restoreth my soul. That's Jehovah Rapha. He leads me in paths of righteousness. For his namesake, that's Jehovah Tiskidu. Thou art with me, all that thou art with me, that's Jehovah Shammah. Thou preparest a table in the presence of my enemies, that's Jehovah Nessi. Thou anointest my head with oil, that's Jehovah Meshkodesh. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, that's Jehovah Elohim. Amen. God could be anything you want him to be. That's why when Moses asked him, who should I tell him that you are? He says, tell him I am that I am. Because he could be whatever you want him to be. You need a doctor? He could be your doctor. You need a lawyer? He could be your lawyer. You need a protector? He could be your protector. You need a counselor? He could be your counselor. He will feel every need of your life if you let him be your shepherd. He will feel your emotional needs. Something that the psychologists and psychiatrists can't do. All they can do is give you pills. But God will feel your emotional needs. He will feel your psychological needs. He will feel your physical needs. And he will feel your eternal needs. Anything you want, anything you need, God is that for you. Because he is the I am that I am. And to end, I say, well, before I end, I want to say this. The problem is this. The problem is that many are seeking his hand. And by his hand, I mean all his blessings and all his gifts. But many are not seeking his face. And I'm going to tell you something. When you seek his face, not only will he show you his face, but he will show you his hand. That's why the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Surely good, verse 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Maybe goodness and mercy shall follow me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Can I borrow you too? So your goodness. And your mercy. Just walk in front of me in circles. And this is us. We're following goodness and mercy. But that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says. It says goodness and mercy shall follow you. Follow me. Well, you guys sit down. See. When you learn to put God first. And you're going to mess up. Because this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. And it's not who makes it first, but who makes it to the end. And along the way, 
you're going to trip and you're going to fall. But when you trip and fall, mercy will be there to lift you up. Goodness will be there when you're in type of need. Where you get weary in this race, goodness and mercy will be there all of the days of your life following you. I'm not here because I'm good. I'm here because of goodness and mercy. I'm not here because of my good looks. That's my, when my wife fell in love with me. <laughs> love at first sight. But I'm not here because of my good looks. I'm here because of goodness and mercy. I'm not here because of my education. But I'm here because of goodness and mercy. And sometimes we go astray. I'm telling you because I, I've done it. But we serve a merciful God. When you go astray, the Bible says that the shepherd loses one. He leaves the 99 and he goes to find that one. God loves you. He loves me. We serve an awesome God. What do you need? What do you need? What do you need in your life? He is it. He could be whatever you want, whatever you need. Just trust on the Lord. Trust the shepherd. He will never fail you. He will never lead you the wrong way. And don't lean on your own understanding. Because we're sheep. And sheep are what? <laughs> Brother James. Amen. Thank you, Brother Montezelka. Let us stand up. We are people that are going through different, different things in our lives. Some are going through financial problems. Some are going through marriage problems. Some are going through relationship problems, friends, family. Some are going through addictions, problems of addictions. Some are going through stress. Some are going through cancer, sickness. But he is now saying, trust me, I'm your shepherd. Some people are going through depression and they don't know what's wrong with their bodies. They, their, their bodies are, are feeling in, in very awkward ways. But see, we have the solution. I want to invite you that whatever your problem might be, whatever you're going through, you come to this altar and you tell them, Lord, be my shepherd. Be my shepherd. I'm going through this problem. I'm going through uh, probably a financial problem. I'm going through a, a problem of a relationship or I'm going through a problem that I, I am sick and I don't know what's happening with me. I, I, I want you to be my shepherd. There, there's something going on with me, Lord, and I don't know. 
Help me, Lord. Why don't you just come up? Why don't you just come up? Why don't you just come up? We, we just want to pray for you. All we want to do is just pray for you. If you could just come up and, and tell him here at this altar. Tell him, Lord, I want you to be my shepherd. I'm going through this valley. And it doesn't have to be the valley of death. This could be another valley. All he wants you to do is for you to acknowledge him. All he wants you to do is for you to reach out to him. And when you reach out to him, surely he is the Lord of love. Surely he is the Lord of compassion. Surely he is the Lord of above all things that he will reach down to you. And he will lift you up. And he will guide you. And he will show you a better path. But all you have to do is just trust in him. Just trust in him. Raise your hands. Heavenly Father, help us. Help my unbelief, Lord. Help me trust in you more and more, Heavenly Father. Let me put your you first. Let me look up to you, Heavenly Lord, and reach up to you. Help me up, Lord. Bring me up, Lord, to that mountain. To that mountain of greatness. To the mountain of peace. To the mountain where I know that I am assured that you are with me. Help me, Lord. What are you going through? What are you going through? What are you going through? For I spoke a word. Yes. You were singing. What are you going through? Just close your eyes. He's here right now. He's here. I can feel his presence. He's here. You just gotta believe. You just gotta believe. That's all you need to do. You just gotta believe. You don't have to suffer anymore. You don't have to suffer anymore. You don't have to walk alone anymore. All you need to do is tell them, Lord, Lord, here's my hand. I'm reaching up to you.
right now ask for help. Tell them to help you. Tell them to help you. When I was your foe, yeah. still your love loved me. You've been so good to me. You've been so, so good to me. When I felt no worth, Jesus, yeah. When I felt no worth, you paid you it all. You've been so kind to me, God. You've been so, so kind to me. So kind to me. Yeah. 
knowing that he's with you. In the name of Jesus, you're dismissed.